from Tally to Cali. It's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hutch of Andy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It is Wake Up War Champ presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill in Tallahassee, Florida. Coming up on today's show, the Knowles Profit on the bye week, the Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week, and some second-half storylines and wrapping up the first half of the season. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill in Tallahassee, Florida. Check it out. Today's lunch special from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Build your own burger every single day. A rotating, revolving door of fantastic lunch specials, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. every single day at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Check out the website, cptallybar.com, or pull the phone out. Open up your camera, that barcode, that weird thing on your screen. Take a photo of it, take it right to the website. And don't forget, tomorrow is trivia night at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Warchant.com, the ultimate symbol sports source. It's only 10 bucks to join for an entire year Come check us out. Try us out. You'll like it. Pretty sure you will. Hit the thumbs up, like, subscribe, uh, five-star rating and review, the one on the right on the podcast app. I think we got all of it in just about a minute, too, this time. Corey, how you doing? Are you, you going to be good and efficient today, Corey, on this Monday as we get back into game week prep? I think so. I think so. We can make this a short, uh, short, shorter show anyway, a shorter, uh, shorter Monday show. Uh, yeah, man. It's good to be back up in Atlanta. Got to hang out with the kid, watch him play some baseball. Not well, but still got to watch him play baseball, and that's all that counts. All right. Yeah, I feel like it's been a minute since you've been up in the A. Been downtown Tallahassee for a while playing uh, Dr. Clark. How's uh, how's your significant other doing? She's doing well. She's on the mend. Uh, seems to be doing better. Um, there was some stuff. You know, when you're taking care of someone just out of surgery, uh, there's some stuff you're not uh, – and everything's fine, folks. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no scares or anything. Yeah. But uh, it was uh, – you know, there's some stuff you see that – it's you won't ever forget okay. yeah you it's burned into your brain uh so anyway it's it's still fine though it's still fine we're still dating it's <laughs> fantastic awesome all right uh so on with the show we go don't forget in the coop with robert cooper returns tonight seven oh there you live. go nice good yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's coming back we're back we're going to talk to mike norvell at eleven thirty a.m and then we're going to get adam fuller after that maybe alex atkins immediately after but we'll get all the coordinators and mike norvell we're back in game prep mode uh, Florida State taking on Georgia Tech. Noon game, ACC Network. Not exactly sure how it's going to work for the uh, pregame show. I think 10 a.m. I think doors mm-hmm. might open, yeah. 9.30 yep. or so at Indigo. We'll have details as the week goes on, but always do check out warchant.com. Listen to the Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock as well with all the details on that. But we'll we'll be up top, the Hotel Indigo. Come on out. I think I saw somewhere. I, I haven't confirmed this. I'll have to check out my bookie here in a sec. I think Knowles, like something like a, 19 point favorite what a weekend Corey. we did not play but we profited in a major way jimbo humiliated miami yeah. humiliated apparently the team that we're playing this weekend is who we thought they were probably mm-hmm. not that good of a football team and i'm sure i'm forgetting another thing or two but what a great weekend hopefully you all enjoyed it with your families and checking your phone periodically uh, to catch up on things how would you size up this off week for the Knowles? Yeah, you know, I, I wrote a story that should be on the site by the time people are listening to this, kind of about, um, you know, we, we just, things are coming more into focus. You know, we, we, and I'm not saying we as in you and I, I'm saying like college football fandom in general. Um, try to make declarations about what teams are or aren't so early on. And then you look at like, look at what LSU did, man. And I'm not, I'm not taking a shot at your boy Kiffin. He's done a really remarkable job there. But, I mean, that LSU team, did you think that was a team that could beat the number seven team in the country by 30 points? Yeah. When you saw them, I mean, that was um, – but that that's what Jane – number one, it doesn't make you feel great about the opener next year, the, the way LSU's kind of coming on, but it makes you feel really, really good about the opener this year. I mean, that was a good team. Yeah. Um, and, and, Jane, you know, you won the game. I know it was crazy there at the end, but you won the game. That's clearly your best win of the of the season. But um, seeing what they are, seeing what A&M isn't, seeing what Florida kind of, I know Florida didn't play, but, you know, you think about what they did, I wrote, you know, what they did to Utah, and you're like, man, maybe Florida's for real all of a sudden. Well, no, they, they had a good game, but they're not very good. 
Miami clearly isn't very good. Oh. Um, Syracuse, look, man, I, Sir, Clemson played the way I thought they would play in Tallahassee. That's the game I was expecting Florida State to get from Clemson. They did not. Uh, again, it, watching that game made me angry. Well, you know this because I texted you about it. It made me angrier about the Florida State defensive effort against Clemson. Um, I can't fathom that Syracuse has more talent on defense than Florida State, and yet Clemson, I mean, they really struggled. Um, that quarterback, they benched their quarterback. I mean, we knew, I just knew that, that DJ was in there somewhere. And Florida State never got him to come out and play because they gave him such easy completions and easy plays. And that was so frustrating because I knew that dude was in there. And if you could have rattled him and made him be behind in the second half, I think you would have won the game. I think it could have been a waterfall. But no, you let Syracuse. And now who knows what they're going to do. Maybe they actually bring out the better quarterback for next year. Who, who knows? But anyway, back to this season, I just think you see that you know things start to take shape. And it's hard to know week to week. That's why you kind of have to look at it, I don't know, man, month to month. Almost just wait, like, like I've said many times, like wait till after Thanksgiving and let's see where the chips fall. Because it's almost impossible to know from week to week who's good and who isn't. We do a show every single day, though, Corey. We yeah, can't no, we have to talk about something. I can't just pass it off and say, hey, guys, thanks for listening, but tune back in on November ask me, 25th. Ask me again uh, after yeah. uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. But, I, so I said that about Syracuse, right? Right. Uh, I said, ask me again after Clemson. Well, okay, now, yes, that is the toughest game left on the schedule. We said that it might be Miami. I nope. think we can. Nope, no longer. It, we did say we, that, but, yeah, no, we're wrong. Yeah. We're wrong. The, hey, horrible. that that Michigan fan that Michigan fan was right. <laughs> kudos to – I think that was Desmond Howard. I'm not sure. He, he watches the show. But kudos to the Michigan fan. He was right. Uh, Syracuse – at Syracuse is clearly the toughest game left on the schedule. Yeah. Um, they looked all right, man. I think it was more so what what frustrated me. I don't know if I got angry. I don't think you were angry either. But in Corey Clark parlance, you know, Corey's anger isn't very hostile, like maybe my right. anger. Right. But, yeah, I just thought, like, Clemson probably had a game like that in them. And I was hoping they would show that to Florida State. But I, I don't want to give us too much credit down here in Tallahassee. But I do think they really did want to come in that game against Florida State and make a statement. And I think they did to a certain degree. And I think they kind of maybe rested on their laurels a little bit going to the Syracuse game. Sleepy Nooner, maybe a little bit of body blow after going up against Florida State's offensive line, that, which sounds crazy. I can't believe I just said body blow in Florida State's offensive line. But the way Florida State ran on them, uh, you know, might have gotten them a little bit softened up, and they really weren't expecting as much of a fight from Syracuse. So shout out to, I guess, Adino Babers and them. But, man, when they had 21 points going to the fourth quarter and didn't do anything, so there's still some good stuff to feel about. Uh, what you saw from Syracuse in terms of their offense not being able to really execute all that well when it really, really did matter. And then how about Georgia Tech? Man, mm -hmm. uh, that kid, I don't even know, Zach something, made made Jeff Sims look like Charlie, reincarnate. I mean, Jeff Sims went down, backup quarterback comes in for Georgia Tech, and an already bad offense went absolutely putrid. So what a, what a nice get-right game this is going to be on Saturday. And I don't know, how much will you take away from – the, the result on Saturday. Pretty sure Florida State's going to win. Do they need to win it? With, I know style points don't matter. They're still getting one vote in the polls, so maybe if they do win really, really nice, it'll, it'll matter a little bit. But I think it's important for Florida State to really come out. And as you said, now that we're at the halfway point of the season, there's narratives. Man, go ahead and reassert yourself and, and, and play the way you want to be remembered for this season starting this Saturday against a Georgia Tech team that's just really ripe for probably a pretty aggressive beatdown. Well, especially if that backup plays. Like, Sims is a bit of a wild card because he can run. Now, he's got a bad ankle, so that would limit his effectiveness, you would think. He he didn't play at all in that second half. And he I think he was day-to-day -day coming into that game. Um, yeah. He had been injured against Duke, and he had had 12 days off or whatever it was, and then he came back and, and got hurt again. So you know it's a gimpy ankle. So him without, a, him without his wheels makes him obviously much less effective. They don't have a lot of weapons. Yeah, that should be um, – it, it should be – what would you say? They're a 19, 18, 19-point favorite. It, it should be um, – look, at this point, when you're on a three-game losing streak, style points don't matter, man. You need to get a win. I, it doesn't matter if it's 21 to 20. It will for Sunday when we talk about it, but you need to get to five and three no matter what it takes. I, you know, you look at these next two games where – you look, Miami's starting quarterback is 
probably hurt, right? That yeah, didn't, it was his thrown th- shoulder that he went down that, with. It, we'll know. We'll know more. They're not going to say anything about it there unless he's out for the year, which I don't think. I don't know that they would announce anyway until after the Virginia game. But uh, so they play Virginia this weekend. Uh, how about Florida State back to back getting teams coming off the hooves? <laughs> Yeah, man. That's tough, man. That's tough. They're a physical. They're a physical bunch. So, um, but so if Miami's if if Van Dyke's done for the year, on top of Sims not playing in this game, well, you look, man, and then you got Louisiana after that. Well, I, you know, on this show and on headlines, we no, you got take Syracuse. A, Don't you have Syracuse, then Louisiana, then Florida? I thought it was the other way around. All right, I'll check it out. Um, you, know you check that. We should probably know the schedule of the team we cover. But again, guys, what I was about to say is we take it one game at a time. I don't exactly. I don't look further down the line. I don't even know who they play at the end of the year. Is that still Florida? I don't look. <laughs> I just I just we got, concentrate one week at a time. We got Tech, Nooner, uh, Miami, then Syracuse, then Louisiana, oh, then okay. the Gators. All right. All right. Okay. So you got to – these two these two games are vitally, vitally important. Um, they are so winnable. Um, you're going to be favored on the road against Miami unless you lose to Georgia Tech, especially if their quarterback's done for the year. Because Garcia, Woo. nice arm. He's got some. Woo. He's got some. Uh, he's got a little bit of arm talent, but holy moly, he is a turnover machine. I can't see he, Captain. Yeah. He, he had five in that game and didn't play the whole game. Played like two and a half quarters and had five turnovers, three picks and two fumbles, and a pick six to kind of close it out. And the defense gave up. So that is. It, I know there'll be people there in that game. But they will be ready to boo as soon as Florida State takes a lead. You you need to go down there and take care of business. That is not a good football team. There's really no excuse. I know you're playing there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's that's kind of what we learned from this weekend, right? Is like yes. we we know what these next five games should be now. At Syracuse is by far the toughest. Georgia Tech, you have to win that game. Miami, you really need to win that game. Louisiana, yep, same thing. And then Florida at home, you know, Florida still got you know Georgia. They still got to play. Um, yeah, they had a week they, off too. We'll see how they look against. I'm sure the way that the way they look against Georgia will probably affect the way we feel. About it. Yeah, sure. It'll either reinforce it or like, oh gosh, great, they're back to being decent. But I think it'll but, be. <laughs> but you, but suck. you look at and also just look at the way Syracuse played. Like you can't watch the way Syracuse played and think, oh, they're going to run Florida State off the field. Oh no, against yeah. Clemson. Yeah, I no, mean, no, no. judging from the same, just the common opponent that they they played very recently. They both that was their last game. Syracuse got two two touchdowns offensively. Now the big kid, the quarterback can run, man. When he gets outside, he can run. In the second half, not he fast, did nothing. Though. Not fast, but he'll he'll no, get no, no. seven he yards. He is fast. Going. No, no, he is fast when he gets going. He's as fast as your DBs when he gets going. Okay. The problem is he doesn't get going. You remember him from last year, man. He looked like he he looked like a plodding Roethlisberger type until he got momentum going, yeah. and then he sprinted through your secondary. It's just he's got to get those long strides going, but he is not quick and elusive in the pocket. Um, but he, when he gets on the outside, he can really run. Um, but still, so like the touchdown run he had, he outran one of their safeties to the pylon because he was running. But anyway, you see what that offense is. It's not great. The defense is solid, not spectacular, but solid. You can win that game, clearly. You're not going to get run off the field by that Syracuse, or you shouldn't anyway. And then the other four games you're going to be favored in. Go win them. Yeah, piece of cake. Yeah, I, you know that's 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 what's staring you right in the face um, after that. And then you could say you had an eight four nine and three season with a win over apparently a great LSU team, um, and your two losses were to a great Wake Forest team and a Clemson team that's probably going to be in the playoff. That's a season you can live with. But it all starts this week. If you fiddle around and lose this game this week, the whole trajectory of Mike Norvell's life changes. <laughs> Legitimately, right? I can't even entertain them not beating Georgia Tech by two scores, right? Well, now. I mean, because all we do is we're used to winning around here, especially you and I on this show. Yeah, How, they don't lose to worse teams. That doesn't happen around here in Tallahassee anymore. I can certainly entertain it. I don't want to, but I, you know, I'm a cynic at heart. They should have no bi- problem beating Georgia Tech coming off a bye. But you just never know, man. You just never know. But yes, they if they don't win that game, it's an awful, awful, awful look. Um, it would remind me kind of, and I'm not saying this would happen, he wouldn't be fired, but remember what Coburn said about Taggart after the Miami game? Is his that game, he got fired after the Miami game in, in 19. Right. He said it looked, it looked way too, that Miami game looked way too much like the first game against Virginia Tech. Mm. Like nothing had changed. Yes. Well, Mike Norvell's first game was against Georgia Tech. Yeah. In two years later, at home against that same, maybe that same quarterback, but a worse team. If you somehow fiddle around and lose again, man, 
you know, that's so I'm not. You're right. I don't even want to put they're that in the twenty universe. and a half point favorite. I know, yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it's I don't even want to. But so take care of business. Win this game. It is this schedule as tough as it was here in the middle, and it was man. It wasn't forgiving. It lessens. It lightens up dramatically here now. Because again, you look in another thing you can look at is like the Pitt game. Georgia Tech went on their own and beat Pitt, which was insane. It's still an insane thing to have seen. But then you saw what Pitt looked like against Louisville. Like, oh, that's why Georgia Tech beat them because Pitt's just fallen off a cliff. Um, so it wasn't as impressive a win as we thought. Anyway, so I, yes, that you, the uh, the schedule, the back half of this schedule sets up very nicely. There are no excuses to not in my opinion, not to go four and one. If you don't go four and one, you have done a bad job the last five games, five games of the schedule. That's still seven with a chance to get an eight in a bowl game, but I like it. I like it. You know sports, and you also pick the winning teams all the darn time. So why not get paid for it over at MyBookie? MyBookie.ag has the biggest online selection of odds and contests for all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the NFL, NBA, postseason baseball, or a low-risk, high-reward jackpot with the all-new MyBookie Money Bag. Money Bag, one-of-a-kind opportunity to spin for crazy odds on props and futures. Place a bet, spin the wheel, get ready to score epic odds on the best teams, athletes, and events. Sign up today, use the promo code WARCHANT, and claim a deposit match of any amount instantly up to $1,000. Again, the promo code war chant to claim your bonus and if you deposit between now and halloween you'll get 31 free spins in the my bookie casino doubling your dollars 31 free spins at my bookie bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, what I don't like is I was trying to pull up a, uh, a series of tweets as we pivot to uh, the Schoenfraud or whatever it's called when you take Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, there you go. Um, you got it. Because man, Bruce Feldman he had some he had some tweets ready after Texas A and M lost uh, the other night. Uh, FAU now three and five. They're thirteen and sixteen under Willie Taggart. Mm. Uh, but lost to UTEP. By the right. way, you texted me. Did you see what happened in that FAU UTEP game with the block with the extra point? I, no, I. Clarify, please. So I, I, I was following it on this app, and it said that FAU had missed their extra point. To tie the game. Yes, like three at 21-21. Yeah. yeah, so they missed it. They were supposedly down 21-20, but then three, four minutes later, I refreshed the app, and it said it was 21-21. Yes. And then 10 minutes later, on the Bird app on Twitter, I see a blocked extra point being returned by UTEP. Explain. So a kid blocked the extra point for UTEP. They blocked the extra point that would have tied the game with three minutes to go. His helmet came off. Or maybe he didn't block it. But anyway, a lineman's helmet came off yeah. as the kick was being blocked. He ran and pursued the football for 15 or 20 yards. And then he stopped all of And a then sudden. he stopped yeah. and let his teammates go and play. But because he continued the play oh. with his helmet off, it was ruled a no play. So they got to, like, that's crazy to me. You would think it would be like, you, you, it's, you're penalized on the kickoff. Not you get to do the kick again, but because the play was technically still live and he was penalized for playing without a helmet, the play didn't count. They got to retry the kick and they made it. But then UTEP went down the field and kicked a game-winning field goal anyway. That's tough for Willie. Bet you, I bet you that wouldn't happen to Florida State. Bet you Mike would let his players know you got to you got to drop dead at that point once the helmet comes off. I wonder what the what what is the what can you take a step and then realize it, or do you have to like play dead and fall to the ground after your helmet comes off? The thing when like, he stopped, the, what, he put his hands up. Get? He put his hands up like he heard like freeze. Yeah, like he's like, oh, I'm done. Yeah, but he ran probably 15 yeah. yards after the ball. Yeah, what yeah, if he yeah. ran two yards after the ball and then stopped? Yeah, like what's know, what's I wonder what the leeway is there. How much grace do you give him? Do you yeah. if you make any move towards the football with your helmet off, does it count as a a play being made and you you didn't stop playing? All these things I I'm, I'm interested in, Aslan. That's all. Um, back to Jimbo, which by the way on mm. Feldman's yeah. uh, Twitter feed, he's got the Charlotte job opening up. Will Healy got fired on Sunday. 
And the image on his story is a photo of Alex Atkins. So that's kind of weird. I mean, he was there for like two years, guys. Come on. It's like he grew up in Charlotte. Would you um, really like I, I and I'm not Alex Atkins agent. Um, I don't even know if he knows my name, which is fine. All you people do. That's all that matters. Um, but would you really leave Florida State to go be the head coach at Charlotte? You could go right? to the number AAC. one. I don't think they could offer you as much money as Florida State to be the to be the OC. You probably make the same amount of money, and you just saw what happened to the last Charlotte coach. He just got fired. Now, what does Will Healy do with his life? Will Healy was making eight hundred and five thousand dollars per year. Right. What does Atkins make? Maybe same ballpark, right? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Same ballpark. Um, you could use it to get a little bump if you're Alex Atkins, but man, that would be. Uh, it's not career suicide, but it's it's a career self maiming. Um, th- there's just no reason you 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 were on. You're like my man Dilly, my man Dilly Woo! Dilly. You could be on the fast track to getting a head coaching job if you hang this if you hang in here for a couple of years and do some good things. I mean, what was going to happen to the relationship between Kenny and Mike when they're both going for that Arizona State job? You know? <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah. So let's get back to Jimbo. Buddy. Yeah, you keep Jimbo. bringing up. Uh, yeah, uh, you keep bringing up Jimbo and then stopping. Jimbo Fisher, two and six versus their last eight FBS teams. They're uh, 111th in the nation they were entering Saturday. Uh, they've gone nine games against FBS opponents without scoring more than 24 points. It will be a year today, or actually it's now 366 days since Texas A&M scored more than 24 points in a football game in the year 2022. Mm. It's bad. I don't know what's going on with my guy. He's on his third quarterback. Uh, the same things that plagued him here, plaguing him there. His offensive line did not look good at all. Uh, had a good defense, though. Uh, I don't know, like, what, what's his uh, – I wonder what his – we talked about it in a text message, you and I and one of our friends. Like, what's the path forward for my guy? Does he just wait out for Neil Brown to get fired and retreat to, to West Virginia with a reduced buyout? Or uh, does he give up this offense and just become – like a, a younger Bowden where he just kind of hangs around practice, offers some tips and gets on the headset, you know, on third down when it's a one possession game. Uh, so I don't see, I don't see the, uh, there's going to be some sort of accountability where someone's going to ask him, all right, Jimbo, you're not like something needs to change. What will you change? What will Jimbo say in response to this wealthy oil tycoon? Yeah. in, in that people want to look at the press conferences and uh, the questions he's asked that that doesn't matter. He'll be asked that. I'm sure he has a weekly press conference like after the game is at the time um, when they you know, they score one touch offensive touchdown in that game. Um, great field goals, though. Great field goal offense. But yeah, I just looked it up. They're 108th in the nation in in, uh, in total offense, 109th in scoring offense. Yuck. Keep in mind, man, they have an incredible running back. Yes. Both their quarterbacks are five star quarterbacks. And the other kid is a transfer from LSU. They get any almost any receiver they want. It has always been a pipeline um, at offensive line at that school. They brought in the best recruiting class in the top five recruiting classes in the country for five years in a row. There's no legitimate excuse for the way that offense looks. And so I really do think it's going to be fascinating, man, I, because it will come to a head. They, they, those people spend a lot of money to try to get a championship. And they can't just sit there and watch as they have the one of the two or three best defenses in the country, maybe the best, considering how bad the offense is. Um, and then their offense, the, the guy that's running the offense is the guy that you owe $90 million to. How, how do you, that seems untenable. Like it's, because I, I just can't fathom Jimbo's going to be like, yep. And it's not going to be like, I'm giving up play calling. It's no Jimbo. We're not, we're not running this offense anymore. You're giving up your offense. But then I don't think Jimbo feels like he's a coach if he's not running the show. He watched Bowden do that, and I frankly don't think he thought Bowden was coaching at the end. Yeah. I think he does, that, that does not interest. I don't think that kind of head coach, the delegator, interests Jimbo Fisher in the least. Yeah. He does not want to. He'd go rather be on his two ranches than just sit in a tower and watch somebody else call offense. That's what he loves about ball. Is thinking and, and play calling. I mean, you see that play sheet he has. Not play sheet, sorry. The phone book he has to, to call plays. Like, he loves it. It's what he lives for. And look how engaged he is with the quarterbacks, with the linemen, with the receivers. Matt, what would he do if he couldn't be yelling at quarterbacks and yelling at receivers? And I'm talking about during the game and practice. That's his life. And I'm not taking a shot at him there. That's just what he is. So I, I don't, 
I don't know how you fix it, man. This is year five, and they have maybe the worst. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like Auburn, Boston College, Northwestern, Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Iowa, and Colorado. Listen to those schools. Those are the only Power Five schools with worst offenses than uh, than your man. No, I'm sorry. Auburn is is ahead of him. So forget them. So Boston College, Northwestern, Georgia Tech. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, and there's way too much talent. Um, so, yeah, it'll come to a head, man. I don't – it just doesn't seem tenable that you, they're just going to be like, okay, Jimbo, you know best. We're, we're going into year six. You're going to have at least, what, five losses this year, maybe seven. They you might not an, make a bowl. You have an awful offense. You're the offensive coordinator. So what are you going to do? How do you fix it? You're going to tell Jimbo, man, you've got to hire somebody to come run an offense? Not your offense, because what, what good does that do? You have to sit out, completely go sit in the corner while somebody else brings it. Like we, when we hire, they're going to hire Kendra Bryles, and Jimbo's just going to be cool with it. He's not going to be the quarterback coach anymore. He's not going to be the OC. He's not going to have that, uh, the, uh, whatever, the Applebee's menu in his hand. Not Applebee's. What am I thinking of? Waffle Cheesecake House. Factory. Waffle, okay. Yeah. Or, no, I was thinking like the Cheesecake Factory oh, that has yeah. like 20 pages. Thick. He's not going to have one of those menus in his hand. He's just going to sit there without the headset and watch football and take notes. That ain't Jimbo Fisher, man. So yeah. it's that that's what makes it really fascinating to me. It's just the defense is incredible, and the offense is an absolute joke. Yeah. And it's his offense five years in. I just wonder if he can find someone that's similarly aligned to his – because it's not like an out – they're not just under center running two tight ends and trying to – or like going eye formation. Like they're, they're pretty multiple. Um, I wonder if he can just find someone that's kind of parallel to him and just kind of seed some of the control, and then maybe he can just be the quarterback coach. He can still yell at them in practice, talk to the you know the but quarterback you, for a little bit. But do you see Jimbo field. like seeding control and like during a game? I not mean, it's like ninety. I think I'd want to maximize the ninety million dollars, man. You know, I'm all right. I'm not going to quit. Fire me. Uh, yeah, I, I maybe, think that's maybe what... he can do that. Like I don't have to change. You gave me all this money. Fire me then, and then maybe they'll fire me. I'll go home to. West Virginia and will coach it in Morgantown. I mean, look, and look, people might scoff at that, but, it, you know, you can't spend the kind of money that A&M spent and be okay with this product. No. And just, no. like, let the guy skate for the next. I mean, you're idiots for giving. Who are you bidding against? There was no reason to extend them the way you extended them. But at some point, it, it'll, I mean, maybe not, man. They're always going to fill up that stadium, and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll just roll, you know, every now and again they'll have an eight or nine win season. But they can't win a championship with that offense. Is that not crystal clear at this point? With when when you look around this country, that that and you look around that conference, it has to be crystal clear that you can't win with that offense consistently. You just can't. So, what's the what are they doing? What's the point? You either rip the bandaid off now and you make the guy hire an OC, or you almost say, "All right, man, we're, we're gonna this is gonna be an annuity. We're gonna do it like the lottery." <laughs> We're going to pay you $7 million a year for the next, what would that be, 13 years? <laughs> Until you're 71 years old. Mailbox We're going to be paying you $7 million a year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe the only thing they were hanging their hat on, like the absolute fervent diehard like A&M fan was, all right, like he really hasn't had his, his quarterback, quote unquote. Like it was supposed to be the Haynes King kid. He got yeah. injured last year. Because before that was Kellen Mond, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah, yeah. he pretty much yeah. had Kellen Mond the entire time. And he was time. okay. He yeah, wasn't yeah. terrible. So then you're like, all right, we'll see this Haynes King kid, and that didn't work out. And then well, you brought in Max Johnson, and Max didn't work out. But then you have this Wigman kid that's supposedly another hot shot. It's like maybe he could be like, listen, I haven't had time to fully form one of these guys and ride an entire year with them. Uh, but again, I just still so you're paying ninety million dollars. Like that's not good enough. Just not good enough. I mean, if you know if, if Jordan Travis goes down in the first quarter against Georgia Tech and they lose every game the rest of the season, I'm sorry. You can't just be like, we just lost Jordan Travis, man. What do you want me to do? I don't know. You're the head coach. Figure it out, Jimbo. You know, like you've got to figure out something, man. I don't yeah, know well, he's five years in. It's Whose yeah. fault is it that he doesn't have a quarterback? And yeah. I, I'm, I, don't think, I don't think that's true. Well, I they think... weren't healthy. He brought, like the, the Haynes Kings hasn't been healthy. No, no, but I, I don't think that kid is very good. Not in that system. You know, and he's and talented. I, it's weird, man. He was like a, he was one throw away from beating Alabama on the road, yeah. like two weeks ago. Yeah. He's all right. He's pretty good, I think. Actually, man. he's pretty athletic. But um, I don't know, man. Just uh, he just had no time, and 
That's someone's fault. I mean, when he got Adazio, Adazio's going to be a really good offensive line coach to, to, to fall back on. They've given him everything yeah. he wants. Yeah. Everything he wants. And again, now we get, and I know this isn't, you know, wake up Jimbo. Uh, we don't have to talk about him the whole time, but it was an off week. But, you know, it, you, as you get further and further removed from 13, it really is going to become people like, well, what has this guy done other than the two years with Jameis? Eh, he won he a went, national title at LSU. He had him go to a couple of New Year's Six No, no, no. I'm talking LSU. about as a head coach. That's what matters, oh, right? All right I mean, man, Nick they Saban won. Playoff. They went to a playoff. They went to New Year's Six Bowls well, after Jameis. with Jameis. Ah, they, they, well, they went to two of them without him. They, they go to the playoff without – oh, to two, New Year's Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten so, plus win season. Right, yeah, sure. But, I mean, he had a lot of talent. He's a good recruiter. But when you start looking at his offenses, other than an incredible stretch with an incredible quarterback, I mean, you know, that 2015 offense wasn't great shakes. 2016, no, no. you had Dalvin. And then 17 was a train wreck. And then he went to A&M. And his only real good year at A&M was the COVID year. It was a good year, played, though. It was like 9 No, it years. was. They played games. It counted. But that was his only good year. It was a COVID year. So it's just, uh, you know, that's, that's if you're an A&M fan, isn't that what you're saying? Like, okay, who did we get here? Because we were told by all those Florida State fans, yeah, yeah, sure. you Great, great hire. Let's see how he does without Jameis. Look at his numbers before and after Jameis. Good coach, not who you think he is. And he's been worse than that. So at least his offense has. He's still low. I mean, they have the most talent. They have the, the, one of the most talented rosters in the country. I think when you go by star rankings, they have the fourth most talented roster in the country. Recruiting rankings but, don't matter, Corey. Right? Yeah, they do. <laughs> I was there. I was there in thirteen. They absolutely matter. Um, so he has an incredible roster, and they're uh, they they might not make a bowl. Now, I, you know, they're going to play Florida. I assume they're going to beat Florida. They got like three. That, the four of their next five games are at home. They should win uh, even against. Even with that offense, they should win two or three of those games. But holy moly, that's a that's a bad loss to Shane Beamer. And I'm not a maybe the biggest fan of Shane Beamer, but that yeah, was you a, guys, yeah, my, that group text of mine with you on it. I'm big Beamer guys. I don't know what, what did, Be, did Beamer trespass on you guys. No, I I, I didn't like. Uh, well, I, I haven't liked a couple of his moments in press conferences. He. He got all offended when somebody asked him after the Georgia game. Oh, yeah, the quitting thing. Yeah, did his on, team quit? And he's on, like, did man. we quit? What? What? Well, it's like, man. It's week two, I, man. Come on. He yeah. wasn't talking about did they quit on the season, yeah. but your team noticed, I don't know, within four or seven plays, oh, God, we're going to get destroyed in this game. And it looked like they quit, Shane. They didn't <laughs> play at all. They didn't. They they did not compete at all. I thought that was a – I mean, maybe not the way it was phrased. I don't know how it was phased, but phrased, but – I mean, it's right to say that it looked like they quit. I thought Norvell's teams quit in 2020 a couple of times. You know, that's, that that does happen. Uh, Jimbo's teams have quit. Mike Leach apparently thought his team was scared to death mm. running on the field against Alabama. He blamed his players for being scared. Um, but anyway, so it, it was a fun weekend, though. It was a, it was a lot of cool games. The Clemson-Syracuse game was a thriller that we didn't know we were going to get. Um, yeah, man. And uh, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, the quarterback situation at Clemson is that I you know I know they they said that kid what is it Klubnik 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 yeah Klubnik um I know I'll, I'm sure I'll know his name very soon but uh you know people acted like he sparked Clemson to a win I'm like I don't know man he threw he completed two passes I think Will Shipley sparked him to a win because Will Shipley's awesome um the rest of that offense ain't but anyway still put up 34 on Florida State The clutch shots, the biggest hits. It's time for the Zaxby's Indescribably Good Player of the Week. That's right. You heard the man. It's time for the Zaxby's Indescribably Good Player of the Week. They say Corey Clark, once a knoll, always a knoll. So I subscribe to that. And I'm going to pick Dustin Hopkins, uh, the golden booted wonder. Our guy currently on the IR with like a hamstring strand. I bet you the mm. thing is just black and blue and purple and all sorts of gross. But how about our guy this past Monday night against the Broncos, toughening it out, going a perfect four for four, also hit his extra points, scored 13 of the 19 points for the Chargers in their dub over the Broncos. And every single time he made a kick, he, like, collapsed to one knee in utter pain. Uh, he's a gamer and gave a great interview afterwards, shouted out the Knowles, mm. check, check, and check. That wins the big piece of chicken. Dustin Hopkins, my pick. 
And did you see the post-game locker room afterwards where they gave him the uh, game ball? And no. Derwin, oh. Derwin James, like, jumped on him. It was like, FSU, baby, FSU. Oh, yeah, let's yeah, go. Man, let's FSU, go. there's some love. There's, some, there's a vibe going on yeah. in the league again. People are excited. Nice. I'm going to say Riley. Is it my turn now? Yeah, Corey. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Duke's Riley Leonard. I'm not going with the Noel. What? I'm going with somebody that put it on Miami. <laughs> He threw for a touchdown. He ran for three touchdowns, which is, you know, he, he ran for 60 yards, but he's not he's not Jane Daniels, um, which bodes well for Jordan Travis. But either way, my man ran for three touchdowns, threw for another. He was not on the defense that forced eight turnovers, but that's fine. I'm going to give it to him anyway. Quarterbacks get all the love. Riley Leonard going down, playing in front of literally dozens of people. He puts up four touchdowns as Duke rolls over Miami. So he's my indescribably good player of the week. Riley Leonard, Dustin Hopkins, our Zaxby's indescribably good players of the week. Over the weekend, it was a bye week, but we had plenty of content over at wordchant.com, Henshaw's house, and a couple of roundtables, although inflation's hitting all of us, kids. Uh, our table's not as big as they used to be, so we kind of broke it up. Mm. Uh, Corey was on one side talking about yeah. the offense. I and myself, Jeff, talking about the defense. So let's do some quick cross-pollination here. I guess the crux of it. There's, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Go check it out, kids. Uh, but for you offensively, can you just kind of maybe uh, underscore and talk about – or actually maybe I'll talk about the offense. You talk about the defense because they can read what we said about the other stuff. Sure, uh, okay. But we talked about what's the, the biggest surprise and maybe the biggest disappointment on each side of the ball. And you covered the offense in the written part, so check that out. Well, as Corey's uh, article on the week – Weekend that was with uh, Florida State profiting off all these other people's misery. Uh, you know, shout out to our guy Austin Cox. He was a little too hard on himself. I think he used the word abhorrent for not putting uh, Johnny Wilson on his top forty. Um, which well, I, I mean, did. that's a that's a that is a strong word, but it's probably <laughs> fitting. We love you, Austin. Uh, Johnny Wilson, twenty seventh on our preseason top forty. Uh, I did put him on there, but I was nowhere near as bullish on him as as Corey was. Although it was really uh, Gene who had the highest. I think Gene, Gene had, had him eleven. Highest, yeah. yeah, but you've been you know you talk every single day, and so your words carry more weight than a number on a piece of mm. paper. Amen. Love you though, Gene Williams. I would say him for for biggest most pleasant surprise. I would have to say Johnny. Just again, maybe it hasn't been as much as we hoped after that Louisville game, but that Louisville game was a real thing that salvaged. That game, obviously, maybe the season in a certain regard. Uh, so that's been, for me, the biggest surprise, most pleasant surprise. Uh, and then biggest disappointment, I don't know, I mean, the, I mean, what really, It's it comes down, I guess, to what you guys were really talking about. That's the red zone offense. Uh, yeah. It's been bizarre. Personnel-wise, nothing has really been a disappointment. I've been frustrated at times with Jordan Travis's play, but on the whole, he's had a very good season. The running backs have ran really well. The offensive line's done their job for the most part. Really hard to be disappointed with anything personnel-wise. Uh, so you got to wear it, Mike. you got $4 million or whatever a year, so I'll, I'll pick on you. But just some of the some of the red zone stuff, fourth down uh, play calls, just maybe a little little too cute. Hasn't burned them uh, to the maximum but it's, it's affected the outcome on some football games. So. Uh, but, hey, man, we're 4-3 we're and three going to the bye, coming out of the bye, healthier, feel good about these last five games. Uh, for you, Corey, looking at the defense now, they can obviously read your thoughts on the offense. Defensively, what's been your biggest uh, surprise, pleasant surprise, and then maybe your, your biggest disappointment? Yeah, I think the, the, the pleasant surprise is somebody that y you guys all wrote about or talked about in the roundtable, however you want to phrase that, is, uh, is Renardo Green. I, I just I thought that was going to be a weak link. I thought that was going to be something that Azaria Thomas was taking over by the third or fourth game of the season. Um, I was wrong. He's been their best corner. It hasn't been close. Um, he's physical. Um, he makes plays. He's, he's, been, he's been really good in coverage. He's fast. He's faster. Than, like everything you'd want in a corner. Um, because you know, the last memory we had of him really was playing safety and being really bad at it. Yeah. Um, but he moved a corner and is pretty darn good at it. So he's been a really, uh, a really nice surprise. And it doesn't and, work that way, right? Corey, like usually to salvage yourself, you move from corner to safety kind of as like a last resort thing. Like very rarely do we see guys move from safety to corner. Yeah, but he went back, right? He was a corner to start with. He was a corner yeah. for Willie and then moved to safety because they didn't, I, I guess they, you know, they, I think they were playing Asante at corner, which obviously they would, but I think Asante, yeah, he was here in 2020, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so you had him, so he was at one corner spot. Brownlee was the other. So they moved him back to safety and he just, it didn't take but credit to him man credit to that kid for sticking it out not transferring uh going back to his natural position number one going to a safety to get on the field and then going back to corner believing in himself and becoming uh 
in my opinion, at least this early, this halfway point of the season, like a candidate for like an all ACC team at corner. I just, I think he's been that good. It's been a really nice surprise. Uh, disappointment. I mean, there's been a few. Uh, you could go to the other corner spot is probably the answer. Um, but I don't, I'm tired of picking on that kid. Um, it, it's been said enough and I just don't know what his, I just don't know what his health status is. I just don't get what's going on with Amari and Cooper. So I, I would probably say, well, I don't want to pick on this kid either. I would say the, the linebacker play in totality. I thought it would be a little better than it's been. It hasn't been horrible. Uh, Delo- I know Deloach's numbers aren't good on PFF, and I don't think he's been as good as he was at the end of last year. I don't know how much of that has to do with maybe shifting roles a little bit with, with Tatum Bethune on the field too, but he just hasn't been the difference maker he was last year, but he's got five games to turn it around. Uh, but I would say I, the, the, the biggest surprise, the surprise is easier to answer, and that's Renardo Green. And I want to stay positive. Okay. We're coming out of a bye, baby. Yeah, I want to stay positive, so I'm going to say I'm going to go with Renardo Green. Any question you want me to ask, Coach, since you'll be up in Atlanta transcribing like a madman word for word everything he says? Um, what do we want to get at, out of these guys coming out of the box? I don't. We're gonna hopefully we won't ask about Clemson. We got them last week. Hopefully we flush. Clemson yeah, there's out no need assistant. to ask that. All right, yeah. Um, unless you want to ask him, like, why didn't Syracuse score six straight times against, or why did Clemson not score six straight times against <laughs> Syracuse? What uh, What did they do? Positive, Corey. Yeah, you're right. Positive, you're right. My fault. Positive. Um, no, no. Yeah, you guys will handle it. You guys know what to ask. We're, we're, it's not It's not like a lot has happened in the last five days that you would need something to ask. Maybe ask him, uh, ask him something off the Deuce. wall. Oh, now, well, you guys don't want me to do that stuff. He doesn't like me already, so, you know. So. Well, that's a good. Well, that's why you should wear it and ask yeah. him something bizarre. All right. Total villain. Um, all right. We'll do that. Check out. Ask him what he thinks of uh, Jimbo's offense. <laughs> What would he do with that running back? What would he do with that the five star quarterbacks if he if he what had maybe do, a better if player? If you made ninety million dollars and sucked, Mike, what what would be the first thing you would try to do to fix it? Or would Asking you want to get fired? Yeah. Would you want to get fired and just go live your life without all this stress? Because you're getting the money either way. And before we go, we really do need to shout out our man Dilly Dilly. Um, he's that that is a remarkable turnaround. I you know we saw what they looked like in week one. Um, with that quarterback. And look, man, that quarterback just isn't, I don't know how to say it, man. He's, he could just not play in the SEC, but he tor- tortures Pac-12 Dude, defenses. That touchdown, the one touchdown he threw in the first half, like the 50-yarder, literally might have been one of like the top five prettiest throws I've ever seen. Just yeah, perfect trajectory, in stride, middle of the, it was, it, it's crazy. Yeah, man, uh, Pac-12 Bo Nix, a lot better than SEC Bo Nix. Yeah, and same with Dillingham. Like Pac-12 Dillingham, with that, with that talent, uh, which Cristobal got some talent on that team, yeah. on that offense, yes. Um, yes. a little better than Tallahassee Dillingham. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, you do have to, like, I know people are looking at that and going, golly, did, was Norvell holding Dillingham back? Like, what, is this guy a genius? He was calling and the plays, so yeah. Really and it's like Dillingham was calling the plays last year and the year before. But also, you know, I know the ACC isn't exactly thought of as a meat grinder, but you, the, the Pac-12 is, a, is mostly a joke defensively. It's much easier to score out there. Just look at all the all the scores. It's just easier to score out there than it is in the ACC. Um, so I, that does help too. But well, I, I don't look at look at what Mike did at Arizona State. You know, he hasn't been able to do that. In yeah. the, this into, into this Power Five conference, he did it at Memphis, but he hasn't been able to really replicate what he did at Arizona State quite as much as he's been able to in Florida State. But, it, but it, it's so. awesome for Dillingham, right? Like I really do feel good for the guy Dude, after, they, after they that first to, game. They showed him. I'm not exaggerating. They showed him and talked about him more than Dan Lanning. Like Dan Lanning was a complete afterthought because the offense was shining out. And yeah. Dan Lanning's a defensive-minded guy. And I thought those were two good football teams. Well, those are pretty pretty cleanly played football game. They're pretty physical too, both teams. So shout out to the Pac-12 for doing good in that 330 window. Uh, but yeah, man, Kenny got a whole bunch of praise, man. Brock Heward was uh, was developing a crush. For yeah, yeah, he's his agent. So it'll be Dillingham's going to be a name. Um, and, you know, he wasn't much of a name after what he did here and then also what he did in that first game against Georgia. And he hasn't necessarily played a, a even a, a, a decent defense since then. But he's lit everything up. And his name will be out there. And he could be – he might be one of the younger head coaches in the country in a year or two. Like, he's going to build off this. Um, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. But good for him, man. I know this was it, – it wasn't the easiest job to take over here two years ago. Not a ton of talent. Um, that's putting it mildly. And uh, he came out on the other side and is now a OC of a top-10 team in, like, a top-10 offense. So good for him. That's that's cool to see. 
Go take that Charlotte uh, Charlotte job, Kenny. Go take Charlotte. Oh, no, go. don't do that, Kenny. I would advise you against doing that. Do not do that. Wait uh, for – I guess they could make a run. Arizona State might make a run at him, huh? I don't yeah, know, man. Don't... Would you hire him as a – what is he, 30? Oh, he's like – I'm not an ageist, but <laughs> I don't know, man. That just seems – that seems a little too young. I don't know. I don't know if I'm Arizona State if I hire somebody. But I mean, what would what you hire? McVay... You, who would you hire if you had Kenny Dillingham or Dan Mullen, Arizona State? Who would you hire? He's 32, by the way, Kenny. Um, hmm. I would hire Dillingham. Oh, okay. Mullen's just a creep, man. He's just a he'd weird me out. I couldn't interview him. I no no chance. He's just a weird dude. Uh, ever since the Darth Vader thing and. Just all, everything about him is just he's a weird. He, I get a I get a weird sketch vibe from him. Okay. okay. Dillingham seems like a normal dude. You yeah. go have a beer with Mullen. You would just. You, can you imagine sitting down trying to have a beer with Dan Mullen? <laughs> oh God. Anyway. All right, that's a wrap for us. <laughs> I'd have a meal with him. I guess <laughs> I wouldn't have a beer. I'd have a meal and vodka with him. Hey, by the way, to shout out to uh oh man, I just I don't remember his name. <laughs> Crazily. I just, I'm going to shout out two people that I don't remember their names. Awesome. I saw them at Brady's baseball tournament this weekend. Two different guys, one on Friday night, one on Saturday afternoon, came up, said, Corey Clark? And I go, yeah. And they go, oh, they're like, oh, Brady must be playing. And uh, so that was cool. But one of them is the son in law, I think the son in law of Paul McGowan, oh, Florida State's first Buckus Award winner, yeah. which was cool. And then another one was just a, a fan of the show that lives in Baldasta. Okay. And uh, his kid's team beat the bejesus out of Brady's team. Not but cool. that's fine. I'm not going to hold that against them. Uh, you know, they're, you know what they're, I mean, who knows? They're paying those kids in Valdosta to play. <laughs> they're going, they're recruiting. It's not fair. But yeah, but they were very nice and very complimentary of the show. And they, they both feel good vibes about Mike Norvell. But now it's time to like, you know, kind of like most of you guys yeah. start stacking some wins together. Paul McGowan, still alive, by the way, everybody. Still alive. Yes. Yeah. Right. Why? Why'd you say that? Because <laughs> I thought it would, like one of the first shows that we did together, we were talking. You know, we, people would ask us questions. And I remember like, oh yeah, Paul McGowan, man, R.I.P. Big dog. And I'm like, let me check and look that up. Actually, oh, right. and sure enough, he's alive. So I think he said he yep. was like somebody said he was working at a firehouse somewhere, maybe in Central Florida, it was maybe a fire captain or something. He, he's got the Buckus Award displayed, which he should. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. I, that's a that's a pretty cool award. He beat out Chris Spielman for that award. Oh, um, so yeah, man, he was a, he was a heck of a heck of a linebacker. He started the dynasty, man. He was on the defense in '87 that started the dynasty. So, kids, know your history. Oh, any thoughts on game day going to Jackson, Mississippi? Want to talk about it later in the week? Uh, no, I, I think it's cool, man. I, I, I do love the sentiment and the spirit of it. I really do. I just, I, the three hours, what, what's going to bother me, and it, it doesn't bother me now because it hasn't happened, but it's going to be three hours of how great this is uh, for the SWAC, how great it is for HBCUs, and it is. I, I love that they get a spotlight. That's real football. It's it's some of it's been great football over the years. Some incredible Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, some guy, some some of the Jackie best players Slater, in the world. Steve McNair yeah. have have uh, Bullet Bob Hayes from FAMU, Charlie Ward Senior from FAMU. So there have been some great players that have that have come out of there, and I love that it's getting a, a spotlight shined on it. But if Dion bounces in two months, what did it all mean? And takes his players with him. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but if that happens, if you go and, and shine a spotlight on what Dion's built at Jackson State, built in quotes because, you, you know. Well, he, he built it, man. It, yeah. That place wasn't rocking and rolling before he got but there. But is, is it going to be torn down as soon as he leaves? Like, well, is, it, it's yeah. a, is it sustainable without Dion? But is it Will Dion stay there? But the, the fact that he's showing that, guys, you can, you can come here, you can come to an HBCU, you can be successful – you can win football games. They may be even showing other coaches. Like it's Dion's responsibility isn't to. I mean, I know he's been doing some of that on some of these talk shows he's been on, but like Dion wasn't put on this earth to like you know be the marketing genius behind HBCUs. He's giving his but then time. Don't, don't present game day like that. That's because okay, that's what we'll I'm afraid they, it'll be okay, for three right, hours. Right. Is it'll be what Dion's doing for HBCUs, what Dion's doing for the SWAC. But he's still which, showing that it's a good destination place. I mean, he can leave it. But I can, does he? I can if like he leaves my house after two years? and then sell my house, right? You can like your house and then sell it eventually. Like, all right, it's time for me to move on. I've, I've made this place a little bit better. Put a you don't think it makes there? it a? You don't think it'll make it a little hollow if he leaves and then takes his players with him? I don't, that, those are, will it matter if he takes a, if he leaves the players behind? I mean, if the players want to follow him, it's be like, no, stay here. You're 
I, I sold you on coming here, and maybe he didn't sell them on the HBCU thing as much as it was playing for me, and we're going to figure this out together. Yeah, I don't know what he's told the players. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? So that that's all is like you know I'm I'm all for it. I I it's really cool. I think I honestly I think game day should do that kind of stuff more often, like the App State, Jackson State kind of stuff, because there's a lot of cool pockets of this country that really care about college football that don't pay their head coaches nine million dollars a year, and you you can uh, you can experience that. It's cool that the the country gets to experience that. But if it comes a three-hour Dion love fest about what he means to HBCUs and how important it is to him, and then he ends up leaving in two months, it'll ring a little hollow for me. That's all. It'll just ring a little hollow for me. I wonder That's if they'll fun. play the whole Eddie Robinson Jr. He ain't swack. I'm swack. And then oh, absolutely. That'll be that. part. That'll absolutely be part of it. And they'll have a whole. I'm sure they'll have something on Travis Hunter. Uh, he actually played for the first time in in six weeks on Saturday. Had a four tackles and four catches for like 25 yards. But it was cool that he, I mean, it was good that he was back out there because he'd been hurt. But yeah, so they'll they'll do a whole segment on Travis Hunter and they'll do a whole, the whole show will be Dion. And again, I, I it'd be cool if Dion was, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't even know. I, it's not like it bothers me. It's just make it for what it is and don't make it what Dion's doing for the this this particular school or this particular level of football if he then leaves in, in two months to go to Auburn. Because then, really, Gosh. what are you? What are you saying? I will. I will re uh, repurpose my funds to Rising Spear to the Auburn Athletic Department if they hire Dion, or just a reality show to follow. Oh, it would be incredible! Dion. Oh, it would be gosh. incredible. Dion and Auburn. I, can't, I couldn't even imagine it. It would be unlike anything that's ever happened. Imagine um, one of those millionaire bankers that I ain't runs War that Eagle. program. I ain't War Eagle. <laughs> Who is War Eagle then? I, I, I got War Eagle. I got trucked by Bo Jackson in that field 37 years ago. Nobody's more of War Eagle than me. Um, yeah, Dion did play on that field a couple times. He won. He beat him 30. He was he was there when they beat him 34 to six in '87. He was part of that team. Go get him, Dion. Go get him, buddy. They're seven and zero. They're gonna probably be undefeated. I guess I forget Aslan. Does, will Jackson State play in the playoffs? No, historically, uh, SWAC has not participated in the FCS playoffs. Not even this year with that team, they wouldn't do that. No, they got the they play the, uh, the I know, celebration I know. bowl. I know, but yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I know why they do it. It's just, man, I it's uh, that's why that's a, that's a once in a lifetime type of team he's got there. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, like they the SWAC has the highest attendance of all the FCS programs too. It's crazy. It's wild that they're like, yeah, we'll set this one out. Uh, but there's some stuff uh, behind it all. But that's for another show for another day. Didn't Steve McNair play in the playoff, though, one year? His last year they played. Uh, is Al Alcorn State's in the SWAC, right? Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they played in the playoffs when I was in college. I remember that. They lost to Youngstown State maybe, but, he, you know, he threw for 500 yards because that's what he did. Yeah, they've appeared in the playoffs three times. Uh, they lost Youngstown State 63-20. to 20. Yeah, yeah so they struggled. They, they struggled stopping them. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's a wrap on us. But again, 11.30 a.m. live, Mike Norvell at the podium. Check us out, warchant.com. If you're or can't listen, it's fine because Corey's going to be transcribing everything that's mm. said. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Yeah, that'll be awesome, so check that out. And uh, Jeff Cameron's show, 1 to 3 o'clock. We'll do a live show later this week. Don't know which day. Then you got a live happy hour. You can hang out and actually have a beer with Corey Clark, 5.30, 6.30. And right. afterwards at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, then Hotel Indigo, Pre-game show, tailgate, hangout, rooftop. We're back. We're back. We got five wins. Five I'll wins say this. If you're, a, uh, if you're a weirdo like Dan Mullen, don't come try to have a beer with me. Okay. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. Be, a, be cool, man. Just be chill and be cool. Don't be Dan Mullen. He's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Board Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.